the Underdog Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 184 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Bedorsky, coming at you with a special Sunday edition of the podcast. First round of the playoffs, first ever, well I guess technically the second ever wildcard series, but the first in this iteration, non-COVID edition, just about in the books. Um, and it's looking like one of the BovadaSportsbook.com favorites to win the World Series, both coming into the season and the postseason. The Mighty Mets are about to fall, down 4 nothing in the top of the 8th. First and second, nobody outs for the Padres, uh, and Buck is bringing in Edwin to protect a four-run deficit. Um, I got to be honest, as a Yankee fan who listens to Mets fans the entire year, uh, assuming the Padres do not fold in like the Blue Jays did yesterday, this would be sweet. Almost as sweet as watching Mr. Met play the trumpet uh, with the season all but over. I'm not going to comment because the game's not over. And we'll be recording probably through the duration of the game. So if you're proven wrong, that'll be pretty amusing. Yeah, well, at least it'll all be on tape if I do. Uh, uh, that's pretty bold of you. You know what? They're pulling out the trumpet down for nothing with runners on first and second. Um, that, to me, is a microcosm of what the Mets have been like this year. I'll say, I mean, the, the Mets were one of the favorites all season. Before the season, the Padres were one of the favorites, and they traded for arguably the best hitter in baseball. So this isn't like they're, they're not losing to, like this isn't a Cinderella team being there. This is one of the pre This is still one of the best rosters in all of baseball. Yeah, I just think when push comes to shove, all we heard about was DeGrom and Scherzer, DeGrom and Scherzer, DeGrom and Scherzer. And nobody really took a second to think, wait a minute, the Padres have Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove. It's not like they're throwing out Joe Schmoes or Larry Curley and Moe out there. But I digress. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Couple upsets in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, my predictions is looking like I was three for four. It's looking like you were one for four. Yeah, I think one for four. One for four. Aaron Judge made history a couple hours after we recorded the last podcast. He's the new American League single season home run record holder with sixty two. We will get to that. Give you our final sta- the final standings, league leaders, and recap the first round of the playoffs as well. As some managerial news throughout the game, but we will start uh, with our Bavada picks of the week. Um, our next games, round of games, they don't start until Tuesday. Uh, it's currently Sunday night. Uh, so all they have is Guardians plus 190, Yankees minus 230. It's going to be Garrett Cole versus Cal Quantrill in all likelihood. Um, whatever the over is in this game, I would, lean over I would take the over. I would also take runs first inning bets. I'd take those sort of props in this game. Cole, when he's off, you can tell right away. And... You were talking about it before we started recording. Quantrills don't do well in Yankee Stadium. No. Uh, Paul Quantrill, Cal's father, as a member of the Yankees, big part of the 0-4 collapse. Um, yeah, I think the Yankees, all that said, though, do get game one here. You know, I know the Guardians pitching was outstanding against the Mariners. Uh, not against the Mariners. The against Rays. the Rays. Keep getting my teams that wear green sometimes mixed up. Uh, but at the end of the day, they scored three runs in 24 innings. On two homers. On two home runs. Uh, so something to be said about that. Other two matchups we have. We have the Mariners and the uh, Astros. This Take pitching it. matchup has been announced. Uh, Logan Gilbert, Justin Verlander, game one in Houston. Plus 168 Mariners, minus 200 Astros. I would go with minus 200 for the Astros here. Verlander's been on such a historic streak. 
And Logan Gilbert, the Astros have gotten to him once or twice this year. Uh, and we saw with Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays, as great as these young kids may be, postseason is a different beast. And that Astros lineup has a ton of experience. Uh, I could see this being a close game, but I think the Astros take game one there. I think the Astros and whatever Pavad is offering the sweep price at, uh, just take Houston a sweep. I, I don't see Seattle getting either of these first two. Uh, and at that point, you might be able to play the hedging game. I was going to say, I could see maybe in a game two they take the Luis Castillo-Fromber game uh, in like a 3-2 or 2-1 victory. But yeah, Houston, I, I, I never think a team should look ahead, but I think Houston could look ahead to the ALCS. Uh, and Braves-Phillies, plus 160 for Ranger Suarez, minus 190 for the Braves and Max Free. That game is in Atlanta. Um, I'm going to go Phillies in the upset here, plus 160. Only thing I could say is uh, Ranger Suarez is our guy, and... Phillies are just riding high right now. I think they take game one. Philly uh, Braves take games two through four. I I don't I don't see it. I think the Phillies are on a fun ride, but Freed has been really good. I mean, I love Ranger. I'm probably the biggest Ranger Suarez fan out there. This is the number one Ranger Suarez podcast. But Atlanta rested, and I I'll talk later about my thoughts on this resting thing, but. For a team that's done it before, like Atlanta has, you give them extra time to get right. I don't see them losing to a Phillies team coming off two wins in St. Louis. I think the biggest thing for the Braves, too, I mean, obviously a vet like Charlie Morton getting him some rest is huge, but kind of just comes down to the fact if they were in the wild card series, Spencer Strider doesn't pitch. Now they are in the division series. Spencer Strider is going to be able to make a start. Yeah. Sometimes it's just as cut and dry as that. I, I just I Atlanta's a better team than Philadelphia. I think we the way Wheeler and Nola pitched in St. Louis, that's how this Phillies team is that's the utopian version of this Phillies team. That's them reaching their apex. That you have established aces at the top of the rotation and you can just hit. But I that's not what this Phillies team has been for the for a long they they just don't they're the Phillies. They they seem to get in their way sometimes. The fighting Phils. This it's I don't see it from that. I think this is another easy win for Atlanta. They'll win game one. This is like a Philly gets game three with the home crowd. The gentleman sweep, if you will. I think gentleman sweep is you throw game one. You offer up game one, then win four straight. Okay, fair enough. Standings, final standings, pretty similar to what we recorded last week. Yanks 99-63 won the AL East. Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox rounding out the division there. 92-70, and 70, Guardians won the Central. White Sox finished 500. Twins, Tigers, Royals rounding out the division there. Astros 106 and 56, best record in the American League, won the West. Mariners, Angels, uh, Rangers, and the A's rounding out the division there. Wildcard teams in order in the American League were the Toronto Blue Jays, followed by the Mariners, and then rounded out by the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, relative to Bavada win loss projections coming into the year, I'm, we're going to do this for the American League and National League. Let's just do a real quick overachiever and underachiever. Um, Orioles have to be the overachiever. Orioles, I, I guess the Orioles and the Guardians. Orioles and the Guardians. I mean, the Orioles from a numbers standpoint, but the Guardians are actually getting it done. Uh, underachievers? It's got to be the White Sox. White Sox and White the Red Sox. White Sox and the Red Sox. Tough, tough year to be a Sox team in the American League. Juan Soto, by the way, two-run single. Finally struck. Padres up 6 nothing. Yeah, now you can start. Take the trumpet and shove it up your With ass. With a lot more Mets confidence, fans. you can start saying this This looks like it's bad for the Mets. All right, let's talk about those Sox teams, though. I, I, The Red Sox, I'm not really sure <coughs> if I'm wrong up there. 
They got out the same team they had last year that was pretty good, made the ALCS. Red Sox, I, I just think it was a combination of injuries and, and ultimately they just didn't really have much pitching. Well, I mean, with. With, their, their perfect team has Chris Sale as a top five pitcher in baseball. Chris Sale just isn't available anymore. Sale, Avaldi got hurt. Tanner Hawk got hurt. It just wasn't for them. And then the, the story White- started off historically awful. Yeah, and then White Sox, it was just hurt and underachieved. The White Sox, I mean, if you're a White Sox fan, you can say it was a managerial issue. And that's what you have to hope for because there's not a ton of wiggle room at this point. Yeah, I mean, Lynn and Kopesh both got hurt. And then. And Giolito was off. Giolito regressed significantly. Like, Cease was the four starter last year, and him and Giolito basically just did a flip flop. Um, Eloy was hurt when he was healthy. He was good. Uh, and I think if you're a White Sox fan, the biggest cause for concern is uh, Jose Abreu didn't even sniff 100 RBIs, which isn't to say he had a bad year. He hit 300, he had 20 something home runs, but. Uh, you know, coming into the year, my sure thing bet was Jose Abreu, 100 RBIs. The fact that he didn't come close tells you everything you need to know about the 2022 White Sox. It, I mean, their manager kept walking people with two strikes. That is also a telltale sign that a team's not going to be great. Uh, Braves and Mets in the NL East tied 101 and 61, uh, but the Braves had the tiebreaker. And again, one of the new rules with the new expanded postseason is that there would be no game 163. It's strictly the head to head tiebreaker, which the Braves won in that last series. Phillies, 87 and 75, made the playoffs. Marlins, Nats, I think, at the division there. NL Central, Cardinals, 93 and 69. Seven up on the Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates, rounding out the division there. Dodgers, 111 and 51. Padres, 89 and 73. Second, uh, also a wild card team. Giants, D backs, Rockies, rounding out the division there. Wild card teams in order were the Mets, followed by the Padres and the Phillies. No. Uh, yes. Nothing. Oh, I thought you were saying that the order was wrong. No, I just look it over. This is no surprises. The only slight surprise, I think Bovada had Milwaukee as the favorite in the center in the central, Uh, but St. Louis was right on their heels going into it. Everything else, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I think the Cardinals winning that division by seven games is a surprise. Um, You know, I guess if I had to pick two two underachievers and an overachiever. It's weird to say the Cubs winning 74 and 88 in like a clear rebuilding year to me isn't overachieving, but it's almost a we're back on the right path type of year. Like we have the tools in place where now that we're going to spend money again, we could contend again. Um, my two underachieving teams, it's got to be the Giants with one of them. We knew they were going to win 107 games, um, but all those veterans regressed. And to finish 500 and really not be in playoff contention, I think, is a disappointment for that team. Uh, although there was a report today that they're going to be going hard after both Trey Turner and Aaron Judge. And my other disappointing team, honestly, is going to be the Marlins. Uh, again, not a team I expected to contend, but 69-93. and I thought some of that young talent was going to take a leap forward. Solaire and Avizel Garcia, their two bats that they signed up for agency, were pretty disastrous. Um, I don't think you can be disappointed by the Marlins. This is, they're, they're, they're a poorly run team who's never been, who's had two good seasons in their history. No, I yes, everything you're saying is correct. The overachieving team is, I mean, like the, the Dodgers. The Dodgers overachieved. Whatever, no projection had them at one ten. It's unbelievable. And they one ten without. They had the highest expect. Some of the highest expectations in the history of the game of baseball, and they exceeded them. And they didn't have their ace. They had no Walker Buehler this year. They didn't have their ace, and they didn't have their two-pitcher for a good chunk of the year, uh, depending on how you think of Kershaw. And Gonsolin, probably coming into September, 
Uh, that's a crazy John Musgrove fact. First pitcher with seven scores and one innings pitched or and one or zero hits allowed. Postseason winner takes all game. Uh, even Gonsolin, greatest start ever. No, coming up, but a good start. Uh, Gonsolin, don't forget too, was neck and neck with Sandy for the Cy Young Award coming out of the All Star break and really until he got hurt. Until he got hurt and. They didn't really miss a beat without him either. So I mean, his case was going to be a, like a twenty-four and one record. Yeah, which would have been voters sick. love that though. Uh, moving to the league leader side of things, Aaron Judge, hundred thirty-three runs. Aaron, uh, Freddie Freeman, hundred ninety-nine hits. Freddie Freeman, forty-seven doubles. Judge, sixty-two homers. Pete Alonso and Judge tie with one hundred thirty-one RBIs. I wonder, and we'll have to do some research on this. I wonder if that's the first time ever that. Two players who played for two different teams in the same city tied for the league lead in RBIs. That's a bit of a mouthful, but you see what I was getting at there, right? I would say probably. Has to be, right? Unless maybe like a Dodger and an Angel did it. I mean, it would have to be like a New York team when there were four of them. Just food for thought. Walks leader Juan Soto, 135. Strikeout leader Kyle Schwarber, even 200. Only player to break 200 this year. John Birdie, 41 steals. Uh, Jeff McNeil, NL batting champ, 326. Edge Freddie Freeman by one. Uh, Luis Arias, 315-1 in the American League. OBP, Judge, 425. Uh, slugging, 686. Judge, OPS, 1.111. Uh, Aaron Judge. Good season for Judge. Future American League MVP, Aaron Judge. Yeah, good season for Judge. What a what a great thing to be able to say out loud. Uh, voters, if you fuck this up, I'm probably going to quit watching baseball for a while. Pitching side of things, wins leader Kyle Wright, 21 wins. Uh, ERA leader Justin Verlander, 175. That's unbelievable. Yeah, right. Hold that thought for a sec. Complete games leader, six. Shutout leaders, a lot of guys. Sandy with six. A lot of guys. Yeah, Sandy with six. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I just kind of think it was assumed. Shutouts, a lot of guys with one. Saves Emmanuel Class, 42. Terrible trade that doesn't get talked about enough. The Rangers got three innings out of Corey Kluber straight up for Emmanuel Class. Uh, Cleveland's a team you don't really want to trade with because they win a lot of their trades. They really do. I, I would say at this point I'm comfortable saying the Lindor trade was a win-win trade. That's a win-win, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Jimenez, Jimenez was like sixth in baseball in war this year. Was- which I know like war is whatever, misleading stat, but food for thought. Uh, Sandy and his pitch leader, 228 and two-thirds. Strikeout leader, Garrett Cole, 257. New Yankee single-season record. Whip leader, .83. Justin Verlander. Um, so I will ask you this. What coming into the year do you think had the highest Bavada odds of some pitching categories I'm going to name? Uh, Kyle Wright to be the only pitcher in baseball to win 20-plus games. Verlander to have an ERA under two. Or Sandy Alcantara five-plus complete games. Because all three were pretty unlikely in my mind. Kyle Wright. You still think Kyle Wright? Is the only 20-game winner? Yeah, I mean Verlander sub two coming off Tommy John is it's Verlander insane, but it's Verlander and Sandy's always been a workhorse. Five complete games is a lot, but if anyone was going to do it, it would have been Sandy. Why not him? The Kyle Wright thing doesn't make sense. So we're going with Kyle Wright. Yeah, that's our final answer. All right, our final players of the week. Um, I also wanted to lead this, make this note for the standings. Uh, the Mets this year led the NL East for 174 days out of the 180 total days of the season. And the Braves won the division. Alonzo said it best. They got swept by the Cubs. It's true. They got swept by the Cubs down the stretch of a pen, of a division race. That they don't deserve. Didn't they have a bad loss against the Pirates too somewhere? Late? I think they may have lost two, two of three, two or three to the Pirates, and or it's like five of six to Pirates Cubs. Like stuff that you just can't, stuff can't that can't happen can't. at any point in the season, let alone down the stretch. 
right. Players Dodgers lost their opening series to the Rockies two games to one. Um, the Rockies actually, to close out the year, uh, became the first team in baseball history to have two wins against a team with 110 plus wins. The Rockies very circumstantial, a... but Rockies? count it. <laughs> yeah. All right, final players of the week. Uh, Justin Verlander, as we said, in his 28th and final start, uh, he struck out 10 batters, walked one in five hitless innings, and the Astros 10 nothing win against the Phillies last week. Lowered his ERA to 175, 18-4 record. I would say in all likelihood locked up his third Cy Young award, uh, which would join his Cy Young in that he won in 2011 with the Tigers and 19 with the Astros. He's the second pitcher to lead the majors in ERA in his age 39 or older season since earned runs became an official stat in 2013, joining Roger Clemens, a fellow Astro, in 2005 with did it in 42. He's the 12th pitcher to win an AL or NL ERA title in their age 36 season or older. Uh, eight of the previous 11 to join the list are in the hall. Clemens is the other one uh, and would be a shoo of not for PED reasons. If you look at the best ERAs by qualified pitchers since the mound was lowered, uh, it's Pedro in 2000, 1.742, Guidry in 78, 1.743, Verlander in 2022, 1.749. Pedro in 2000 and Guidry in 78, like those are seasons that are like commonly known as by baseball fans as those types of seasons. And Verlander had a whip that by decimal ERA, points, or ERA, that was decimal points away from that. I... Verlander had incredible. The Pedro 2000 one was sick. I mean, I wish I saw that one. Yeah, I mean, Verlander just didn't have the innings that I mean, those Ver- guys had. Like, but Pedro not winning the MVP in 2000 is a joke. It didn't get talked about enough, I think, after the start last week. It was the third time he was pulled from a no-hitter in his last six starts. He's the only pitcher in Major League history to have three starts of five-plus uh, innings and no hits allowed in a season. He's now 12th all-time on the strikeout list with 3,198. Unbelievable. Well, he's twelve for now. He and Scherzer go back and forth every time they're out there. Sure, but the three plus three of the last six starts question, not allowing a hit is unbelievable. I asked you this last week: Is he going to be? You know, is he going to be a unanimous Hall of Fame? No, and I do. And I and again, I don't think it's any indictment on Verlander. Mo was the perfect combination of the most dominant player in his position, universally respected on and off the field. Won all the rings. Was probably, if you look at like postseason win probability added, right near the top. I don't obviously deal with those advanced statistics, but in my head he'd be near the top. Mo was the perfect storm. I think what you're going to see coming up, you're going to see a lot of guys who I think are in the high 90s. Verlander, Miggy, Scherzer, Pujols, Kershaw. I honestly think of all those guys, Ichiro has the closest shot at 100. You think Ichiro's got the closest? Yes. I... Only because, again, I think he's a guy like Mariano who transcended the game itself. That's fair. Plus, in addition to one of the best hitters ever. My knock on each would be made the play. It would be an on the field success thing. Dude, Verlander. I I totally hear you. I mean, Verlander, Kirsch. If we get a Dodgers Astros World Series, the winner of that, that guy's in the driver's seat for unanimous election. All right, well, let's talk about that other guy, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, one hit, nine strikeouts. Chase, what the fuck's in the notes? What? Why does it say likely future Hall of Famer? You give it a like. You I, don't need to qualify. I copy and paste the stuff. I have no problem admitting it. I As, as much as I read, I kind of just speak off the notes that I pull off the website. Nine strikeouts, one run over five innings in the Dodgers. Six one win over the Rockies. Uh, he went 5-0 with a 1-5-4 ERA over his last seven starts, striking out 49 and 41 innings. 
228 ERA, his lowest mark in a single season since 2016 when he had a 169 ERA. Passed Cy Young for 24th all-time on the career strikeout list. Uh, and he tied Pedro Martinez for the most seasons with a sub-2-3 ERA and at least nine strikeouts per nine innings. Kershaw's back. Just, just uh, everything we just said about Verlander, you can go to. How many more years do you think we get out of Kershaw at this point? Not a ton. I, I, I think every I think he really is at a point now where he takes it year to year. And if they win it all, I could see him walking off into the sunset. I think one more year because he's three wins away from – I know, again, Kershaw's a slam dunk Hall of Famer no matter what. But three wins away from 200, 193 from 3,000. I don't know. Those just seem like good round numbers for Kershaw to shoot for. <laughs> Very obtainable as well. 2,000 he might – or 3,000 he might need two more seasons. Let it ride. He's only I, 34. Look, I love Kershaw too. It's a good podcast for players I like. Yeah, just let it ride. Uh, shout out to Stephen Vogt. Uh, Stephen Vogt is retiring, or he re- I guess he's officially retired now. Uh, the big league catcher has been in the major league since 2012. Uh, he was calling it a career, and in his final at bat versus the Angels, on the last pitch he saw as a major leaguer, he had a home run. That was nice. It's awesome. Good for Stephen Vogt. Always a likable guy. Uh, big part of those A's teams that were good in the mid 2010s. And uh, yeah, can't can't think of a much better way to call it a career. His kids also introduced him for the last at bat, and he went deep. Sick. I, yeah, I, Stephen Vogt was, was a player. Like, you know, he had a good career. Yeah. He had better baseball career. He was no Kurt Suzuki, but he had a he good was career. Very, yeah, he, was, he wasn't quite Kurt Suzuki, which is not, which is less than ideal. Shohei Otani, uh, he became the first player in the World Series ever to qualify for the leaderboards as both a hitter and a pitcher in the same year. Uh, in his last 19 starts this year, 22 total, total earned runs, 154 strikeouts. Uh, and over any 19 stretch start of any regular MLB season since the mound was lowered, only Kershaw and Johan Santana had done that. We love Johan Santana. Somebody suggested giving Otani the Cy Young Award because he's not going to win the MVP. Not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Verlander should win it, but if Otani won it, I'd kind of just shrug my shoulders and go, well, at least Judge won the MVP. That's so dumb. Well, Verlander always gets screwed, so maybe they're just going with that theme. Kate Upton will go off on Twitter. No, this is Verlander's award. I won't hear it. Verlander's time. I agree. He's do three. We we did we ran the math on it. He should be at three signs. Three signs is the right amount for his career. Minimum, he should be at three. We went through this on the episode. Shout out to Nick Matan uh, in the and excuse me in the Astros three two victory over the Phillies against his brother Phil in the eighth inning. He landed a two two pitch in the right field for a single off of a ninety one mile power fastball. Always good to get bragging rights at the Thanksgiving table. Yeah, always cool. That's good brother <coughs> stuff. Last week we tweeted, uh, we reported that Mike Trout had a chance to join an elusive club, and he joined it on the last day of the year. Forty home runs, forty missed games. I know you don't like him, but man, this guy is good. I always said he's not good. I said he has he has the same amount of playoff wins I have. And what did Mookie Betts do to gear up for the postseason? Uh, it was his birthday on Friday. He turned thirty. And the postseason starts Tuesday, and today he woke up, and in preparation, he bowled the perfect 300. He's good at everything. He really is good at everything. He's the best He's the best athlete in the major. Do you think we need to worry about Mookie cutting short his record $365 million contract to go join the PBA? Probably. I mean, I but by the maybe like a little short. But I think he's baseball is not a sport. That what do you think the money is in bowling versus not baseball? Good. You're better off in college football. The NIL deals are better than the PBA stuff. Yeah, 
still cool, though. I watched the end, and he very nonchalantly bowled that last strike. So, I mean, once you figure it out, you should be doing the same thing every time. Yeah, you would think that, but you and I can't do it. But that's why we're not professional athletes. I don't even know. Bowling, you could probably... I mean, if you really worked hard at it, if you quit your job and bowled every day for a year, you could probably make the PBA. All right, well, we'll start tomorrow. Me and you will go to Chelsea Pierce, start bowling. Uh, One of my Bavada bets to start the year was one of the only prop bets or future bets that I've gotten right in quite some time was Aaron Judge plus 1,800 to win the American League MVP. Um, And this week, by catapulting himself into the history books, he all but locked that up. 61 years after Roger Maris captivated the baseball world with his pursuit of Babe Ruth's home record, Aaron Judge now stands alone as the American League single home run king. Uh, He hit his record-breaking 62nd home run Tuesday at Global Life Field, launching a 1-1 slider from Rangers right-hander Jesus Tinoco to open the second game of a split doubleheader. Uh, Crazy enough, the Yankees' 3-2 loss gave the team a record of a 99-62. You can't make that up. Uh, with three regular season games remaining, Aaron Boone was prepared to give Judge every opportunity to break Roger Maris's record. He went one for five with a single and a run scored in the first game of Tuesday's doubleheader, a 5-4 Yankees win. Uh, Judge clearly needed a break, wanted to hit this home run, and he got after it early in that second game. Uh, 88.4 mile power offering, hit the home run 391 feet towards left field. Uh, the ball was marked C-13 for authentication purposes and was secured by Cody Humans, a fan seated in Section 1, Row 1, C3, uh, who not only is a bank executive, but his wife was on The Bachelorette. Some guys just have all the luck. Uh, Judge had been 9 for 39 with a homer, 18 walks, and 15 strikeouts and hitting number 60 on, 7th, on September 20th against the Pirates. But with one violent swing, none of that seemed to matter. It's the seventh most home runs in a single season in ALNL history behind performances by Bonds, McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. Toasts were made in honor of Judge and Garrett Cole, who set the single-season strikeout record for a Yankee. Um, Judge has the most home runs in a season of any center fielder in MLB history, the previous being 56, set by Hack Wills in 1930 and matched twice by Ken Griffey Jr. Judge finished 16 home runs ahead of the Phillies' Kyle Schwarber uh, in the home run race, which is the second-highest margin in baseball history since Jamie Foxx's 17 home run margin over Babe Ruth in 1932. Judge's 62 home runs totaled a distance of 25,520 feet, which is nearly five miles and enough to get from Yankee Stadium to the Central Park Zoo. For all of you who say that Aaron Judge benefited from Yankee Stadium, 36 of his home runs were no doubt home runs that would have been out in all 30 parks. Uh, Austin Riley was second to baseball with 21. He homered off a record 56 different pitchers this season. Um, And over the 55 games in the starting lineup, uh, that lasted from Judge until he sat the end of the season until, I guess, 55 games. So that would have been like post-All-Star break, give or take. Yep. Over those 55 games, standing back to August 5th, I had it in the notes. 337, 496, 707, um, 19 home runs, 38 ribbies, 55 walks, 11 doubles. Just a historically unbelievable stretch to end the season. What more can we say, man? The guy bet on himself and won. We witnessed... I'm not going to say it's the greatest offensive season in baseball history. I'm still going to give that to Judge's 73 home runs. Bonds is 73 Bonds. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm doubling up on Judge there. But I will say relative to the rest of baseball, this might have been the most dominant offensive season in baseball history. This was, I mean, this was something – it was a special year for Judge. I'd say you mentioned the Pedro 2000 and the Ron Guidry 78 season – as iconic seasons. I think the Maris 61 homers is the 
That was the most iconic season in baseball history. That was the season. Well, I don't... For individuals? Sure, iconic. Yeah, iconic. But that was the most... Well, I think the thing that holds Maris back in that regard is, like, Judge lapped... Other than Pete's RBIs, he lapped baseball this year, it felt like. Mantle was up with uh, Maris up until September and still hit 54 home runs and had a better average. There was no Mickey Mantle. I'm just saying that this record, when people were trying to... The the media talked about this, like, oh, it's just an AL record. And, like, true, it's just an AL record. It really is more a Yankee team record than anything. That's what makes it cool. That's more valuable than an AL record. But that Maris season was so special. There have been a bunch of movies made about that. Great movie, 61. Like that is a Thomas Jane and Barry Pepper, directed like, by Billy Crystal. Everybody knows Maris, 61 homers in 61. Who plays Judge in 62? Um, what's that giant dude? The guy in the... the uh, Vin Diesel. <laughs> Judge speaks way too eloquently for that. It's Vin Diesel. Um, I'm trying to think who act, who would be a good choice to play him. John Cena. That's better than Vin Diesel. We're getting closer. I, I think uh, Denzel. No. Not tall enough? Not tall enough. Vince Vaughn is tall enough. But I mean, honestly, the way that Hollywood's casting these days, you probably have to have an interracial lead. What about Batista? There's a lot of ways we can go with this. We'll, we'll keep thinking, but... I'm going to be honest, I, especially when we were recording last week and he didn't hit in that first game of the doubleheader, I didn't think it was going to happen. And I was very content with Judge being tied with Roger Maris. It's two Yankees. The fact that he did it is unbelievable. It's going to be the most interesting free agent case in Major League, honestly, in Major League Baseball history, um, just given that he's coming off of this season and he's a New York Yankee. And if he comes back, he's the captain. But the Mets will be in on him. The Giants will be in on him. It'll be crazy, but and for, the Dodgers will probably the Dodgers will probably be in on them if they don't resign Trey Turner. If they do, maybe they still will be in on them. They're gonna the Dodgers will kick the tires. All I could do right now is just say to Aaron Judge, thank you for the memories. This was a special season that baseball fans in general, but specifically me and you, everyone else living in New York, will never forget this, and and this will never be matched ever again. I judge next year, sixty three. And for those curious, uh, in my twenty three Yankee games that I attended this year. Uh, I went through the Judge home run tally, and I witnessed 10 in person. And what was your record on the Yankees season? 20-3. and three. Not bad. Not bad at all. Me and Kyle Wright, baseball's only 20-game winners. Uh, some managerial news. We will start in Kansas City. The Royals organizational shakeup continues. Shortly after wrapping up a 69-93 season, the Royals announced Mike Matheny and pitching coach Cal Eldred will not return in 2023. The Royals had exercised a 2023 club option on Matheny service in spring training, uh, but he'll be relieved of his duties a season early. Uh, again, this comes on the heels of Dayton Moore being dismissed as president of baseball ops. J.J. Piccolo was promoted from GM to baseball ops. Piccolo's first major decision is a leadership change in the clubhouse, and the Royals will now turn their attention towards finding a new skipper. Uh, Matheny was brought over in the 2018-19 offseason uh, as a special assistant and then was uh, immediately thought of as a favorite as a successor to then-manager Ned Yost. When Yost stepped aside at the end of the 2019 season, the Royals tabbed Matheny to return to the top of the dugout step. Formerly, he had managed the Cardinals from 2012 to 2018. He impressed the Royals' front office during the season as a special assistant. Uh, he took over a team that had lost 100 games in the preceding two years, 
26 and 34 in the COVID years. Uh, in the COVID year, Royals added Carlos Santana, Andrew Benatendi, and Mike Miner. Uh, 74 and 88. They did have their highest winning percentage since 2017. Um, and then this year, after a 5 and 17 showing in April, they finished 500 or below. Every single month, uh, they did reunite with Zach Greinke, uh, but other than that, really didn't do a whole lot this year. You know, Bobby Wood Jr., some of the prospects did show some signs this year, but the pitching staff, uh, especially the young guys outside of Brady Singer, really didn't achieve. A lot of them took a step back. Uh, Whit Merrifield and Ben Attendee were both traded midseason, um, so because of that, um, both... Nathaniel pitching coach uh, Eldred, who came on uh, also in 2018, uh, they're both going. This wasn't really a surprise, you know. I think again, when there's even the, even though there's continuity with Piccolo coming up, I think the new team president wants to have their mark and have their say on who the manager is. Ultimately, you know, you text me right away. This just seems foolish from the standpoint of they're not going to be good anyway. Why throw a new manager into the fire there? Uh, so all that said, what were your thoughts on Matheny's tenure in general in Kansas City? Uh, and who would you peg as the Bavada favorite for this job? I was. I, does anybody have any thoughts on this era? This was just such. It a, just happened. They were bad. They were bad the whole time. It happened, and I think it just shows Mike Matheny was a good manager as a product of how good the Cardinals were. I don't even know if that. I I don't know if you could take anything away from this. There, he just wasn't. The team wasn't good. Team players weren't good, and he got like the bare minimum out of it. It was. It was whatever. If I was the G, I think he should have kept him around for another year to buy himself extra time on the back end. And he'd go to ownership and say, oh, it was that last year of Matheny's deal. And then this next guy wasn't great. And then you get another shot. Uh, at the end of the, who would I peg as the favorite here? They're going to go outside the box. They don't, nobody with any sort of like credentials should take this job. And the only credential, go, they should try something new. They're, they're nowhere close. They are nowhere close. It's also unbelievable. I mean, I feel like offhand, I know they did did this and the Blue Jays did it with Charlie Montoya. It's unbelievable how quickly fortunes change where you exercise a manager's option, guaranteeing their pay for another year to then fire the guy either in midseason or the end of the season. It means nothing. Yeah, I I almost wonder... The Royals don't even have a ton of like Latin American players where I think like Bam Bam would be the favorite. I think you just got to go somebody young with this. Give a guy a first-year managerial job. You're a few years from contending. Uh, give, a, give my friend Chavez the job. I think Eric Chavez will be in contention for this job, but I think give it to like a Chavez. Oh, Beltron? This is a spot. No, I, I like Beltron in a very Latin American heavy market specifically. I think he'd be a very good fit with the Marlins. I think this would be good for like a Sandy Alomar Jr., a guy who's been in the Central, Matt Quantra with the Rays, even uh, Joe Espada with the Astros. Guys who are long overdue for the first managerial job, and you give them a three, four year deal, and you say, you have time to develop, go for it. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, there's the, the Royals and Tigers of all, of every team in the AL, those are the two that I would be least excited if I was a fan. I just don't see it. That's the, I don't, that, and I think I like the Royals a bit more than the Tigers, but. This, this it does nothing for it. This like this is Tigers are now tied with the Angels for the longest playoff drought in Major League Baseball uh, since 2014. Starling Marte ground ball to third. Manny Machado. Uh, Mets got one hit. Mets got one hit. Mets just got embarrassed in City Field. That's an embarrassing. 
Yeah, that's tough. All the money in the world and two of the best pitchers in baseball. You just got embarrassed. More on that to come. Uh, One other piece of managerial news. Uh, Phil Nevin got a one-year extension to manage the club in 2023. Uh, Joe Madden got fired. There was a 12-game losing streak that went across May and early June. Uh, He gets tossed, and Nevin ended the the, lost his first two games as manager, uh, but ended the losing streak at 14 games. Overall, 46-59. Not super inspiring, but again, we've gone over and over again how many flaws there are with this Angels team. Uh, and especially given that Artie Moreno is going to probably try to sell the team, why not give Nevin one more year as a manager? You're going to try to sell the team. Who knows what happens at that point? Uh, oh, no, look, I'm happy for Phil Nevin. I always liked him with the Yankees. Um, I, I guess my question is, do you think knowing that Nevin's back, that Jerry De- uh, Jerry Depoto, he's still the president of the Angels, right? What did I think Depoto was? No, Depoto's with the Mariners. Perry Massman, ignore my whole point. Massman just got hired. He's not going anywhere with the Angels. Um, any thoughts on Phil Nevin coming back? It's fine. It's another one. I, ignore my I, entire tangent for, there about Depoto. Of course Depoto's with the Mariners. All he does is make trades. Yeah, for whatever I would do, like, the Angels... It's not the manager that's making the difference at the end of the it's day. It's the pitching staff. Correct. It's the pitching staff year after year after year. And the, with Rendon... I mean, Rendon... They need Rendon to become... To, Rendon was a top 10 player in base, not a top 10 third baseman. Rendon was a top 10, he was a consensus top 10 guy in the league. He was phenomenal. He needs to play like that again. Yeah. Because if he's just a mediocre third baseman, then again, you're looking at a, you're looking at a team of two people. I'll put it this way in regards to Rendon. There's a short list of people in baseball today that you can say were the best player on a World Series championship winning team. Anthony Rendon, and you can tell me if I'm blowing smoke up his ass here, but even though that team had Scherzer, Strasburg, a young Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon was the best player on a World Series championship team. He really was. I, and here he's not even asked. I mean, Otani's a better hitter than him now. Like when he was signed, he was supposed to be the second best hitter. All he has to be is the third best hitter on the He just needs to play. That's part of it, too. He just needs to play. Um, and look, and, and with Phil Nevin to wrap this in a bow, and then we'll get into the postseason. I think ultimately, look, you go to Trout, Otani, and you say, do you guys like this guy? I'm assuming they said yes. You give him another year, you give him another shot. If they play well, maybe he's your manager of the future. If it's another shit year, the playoff draft just extends. You start fresh the following year. Yeah, but I, you can't keep wasting seasons of Trout. Otani's already been hurt. I don't want to be that guy, but. Well, and he's a free agent next year. He's a free agent, and even without that, you put innings on that guy, you go. Well, that's why, and everything we're talking about right now leads me to think Otani had to have given Phil Nevin a seal of approval. Has to. There's no way you bring him back otherwise. I agree. All right, one more thing before the playoffs. Um, Albert, in a very candid interview with MLB.com Friday, uh, he said in June when he was hitting 158 and failed to smash a home run in a month for only the second time in his career that he strongly retired considered retiring and not playing out the full season. Um, when asked if you really felt that way, Poole said, no, I did. I swear I did. There's, there were some times when I asked myself that many, many times. John Mozeliak, the president of baseball ops for the Cardinals, knew he was contemplating retirement in June. Uh, others were made aware and said they said that they will speak about the inflection point in more detail once the season ends. Mozeliak said, we are aware that there were some difficult times, but we are so glad that he was able to marshal through it. Thank God he didn't retire. Yeah, he sh- I mean, if he had retired... At the low point of this season, it 
would have just been, he just would have been sad. It would have been sad, and we would have remembered nothing positive his last decade of his career. Yeah, what do you think we could have gotten at the All Star break uh, for Bavada odds that Albert Pujols was going to lead baseball in home runs in the second half? Plus, plus a million. Plus thirty thousand. Okay, now how would that have changed? Was that pre or post home run derby? Pre. Post home run derby, twenty thousand minus one ten. <laughs> oh God, it was fun to watch. Um, all right. Apparently, we're missing an epic Joe Musgrove post game interview. I just imagine he's saying, "Screw the Mets." You're a joke. More to come. More to come. All right. Let's talk the first ever wild card series. First match will go into the three six Guardians versus the Rays matchup. Uh, game one, two one game. Uh, two hours and seventeen minutes. It was the shortest playoff game since Game two of the ninety nine ALDS between the Astros and the Braves. Uh, and Jose Ramirez, this was a game where the Guardian superstars came through. Simple as that. Uh, Jose Ramirez had a two-run two home run off of Shane McClanahan. Um, it was a Guardians 2-1 victory. Uh, batting right-handed, uh, Ramirez sent his home run over the right center field ball in the sixth before serving a single in the right field in the eighth. Home run marked his eighth non-pole home run from the right side in his career and the first since April 13th of the season. On the mound, Shane Bieber, seven and two-third innings of one-run ball. He allowed a Jose series solo shot, but other than that, uh, it was just two ground ball singles and a walk. Absolutely dominant outing. Uh, he held the race Hitlers through four innings, and it was the longest outing by a Guardians pitcher in the playoffs uh, since Roberto Hernandez preserved against the Midges against the Yankees in Game 2 of the ALDS in 2007. Uh, you and I were texting mostly about this game, how ridiculously quick it was. Uh, Thursday was a pretty great day, to be honest. Or, excuse me, Friday. Thursday was a bad day. No baseball. Friday, we had baseball from 12, just about to 12. Uh, as a baseball fan, it was kind of our dream. And... This is, again, this Guardians team, they do all the little things right, and their stars kind of carry them down the stretch. Here, Jose, the hometown hero, re-signed, hit the home run. Uh, but to me, the story of this game one, it was Shane Bieber. Uh, I will go on the record saying I was wrong. I said probably in like July or August, Bieber is like a 2A type pitcher. He is that guy. He doesn't have the craziest velocity, but his stuff is unbelievable. His location is pinpoint. Uh, and he looked like every bit of a 1A ace uh, limiting that raise lineup to one run over seven and two-thirds innings. And Shane McClanahan, to his credit, too, the only mistake he made was the Ramirez's two-run homer. This was, uh, White, this was a game that I'll put it this way. Whitey Herzog in 85 and those Cardinals would have been happy. If you're a baseball traditionalist, you would have loved this game. Yeah, again, uh, McClanahan was the, – the early ALSI on race was McClanahan versus Verlander. If McClanahan doesn't get hurt, he probably keeps it interesting, too. I think yes. it was a combination of fatigue and injury, but – but that's, his, his numbers were still phenomenal. But the takeaway is that Bieber pitched like an ace. Bieber, that if Bieber's pitching like that, this Cleveland team, I mean, that's that, that's that's a dangerous team. If you have him and McKenzie going the way they were. All right, let's now talk game two, a historic game. Uh, game one, shortest postseason game we've had in twenty three years. Uh, game two was the opposite. It was a fifteen inning game. Uh, and ultimately, when it all was said and done, Oscar Gonzalez smacked a cutter from former Cleveland ace Corey Kluber into the left center field seat to give the Guardians a 1-0 15-inning victory over the Rays in Game 2 of the Wild Card Series, setting them to the ALDS, which begins against the Yankees on Tuesday in the Bronx. Uh, sitting off speed, Gonzalez saw another cutter coming right over the heart of the plate, gave Cleveland its first walk-off homer to clinch a postseason series in club history and the 13th in MLB history. Uh, this was the longest scoreless game in postseason history. Prior to the walk-off blast, the best chance for scoring for either team came in the sixth when the Guardians loaded the bases thanks to a pair of walks by Pete Fairbanks uh, and Jason Adam plunking Ahmed Rosario. Adam was able to wiggle out of the jam, though, by striking out Ramirez and getting Josh Naylor to ground into a double play. 
Ray's best chance to score came in the 12th when Manny Margot dribbled the ball down the third baseline. Ramirez made a fantastic play, though, barely nabbing Margot with an off-bounce throw from foul territory. Tampa Bay challenged the call, saying Josh Naylor was off the base at first. Uh, but at the end of the day, the call stood, and the teams combined for just 11 hits, 10 of which were singles, and set a new postseason record with 39 strikeouts. Uh, and they combined to use 24 position players and 16 pitchers, with no player recording multiple hits until Gonzalez's walk-off blast. 11th game in postseason history to reach the 10th inning without either team scoring. First AL postseason game to do so uh, since Game 6 of the 97 ALCS. And going back to the top of the 7th in Game 1, the two teams combined for 34 straight scoreless half innings. That is the longest streak to occur in a postseason series, smashing the previous record of 28. Look, this is a game that could have gone either way. Corey Kluber gave up the home run, pitching the first time in relief for a while. Um... Exciting series. Like, if you were a baseball traditionalist... Two good games. Two good games. And, and again, this series... Look, it sucks that one team had to go home. If, if you're the Rays, you're probably playing the what-if game. Uh, just from the standpoint of... Your pitching gave up three runs in 24 innings in a postseason series. That's outstanding. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just think the Rays' bats didn't show up. I, I, that's kind of been the Rays this entire season. It just felt like outside of a Rose Arena... Nobody else was really there offensively. Wander Franco was hurt. Brandon Lowe was hurt. Austin Meadows traded in the offseason. Um, Guardians advancing. We'll talk more about their matchup with the Yanks once we get to the rest of these series. But if you're the Rays, what what is your offseason outlook look like in your opinion? I you just try and do what you always do. You trade McClanahan for two people no one's ever heard of, and they turn into All-Stars. I don't think they're going to trade McClanahan. Now the glass is back. I think they ride. Well, I think that's that's the that's. I mean, not the silver lining, but the takeaway. No, it is a silver lining. At the end of the day, you made the playoffs without your true number one. I, I mean, this. And he's back. I mean, he pitched when he pitched. He was on. Is this the best righty lefty duo in Major League Baseball amongst the starting rotation? Probably. I mean, if Bueller's healthy, Bueller and Bueller and Urias maybe has them beat. But other than that, there's nothing I can think of that tops that. No. And again, for the Rays, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rauschman, a lot of positives to take out of this year. Look, you can't, and at the end of the day, they were destined to take a step back. Won the pennant in 2020, won 100 games last year, lost in the ALCS. It's okay, especially when you're a small market team, to just make the playoffs. They just made it last year. They lost in the first round last year. Boston beat them. Oh, DS. you're right. Yeah, but they won 100 games and led the league in wins. Whatever. Let's talk Phillies Cardinals. Oh, and just for the record, uh, I picked the Guardians. Bryce picked the Rays. It's one nothing if you're keeping track at home. Uh, yeah, I kept track. Yeah, I just like to bring it we up. You said it's three one you. But you did just get one. Congratulations! I'll give you a handshake there. I gotta listen back. I've never been so happy to be wrong about a series. By the way, uh, Phillies Cardinals. Um, this game one was pretty wild. I thought this was gonna be the craziest game of the postseason. The Mariners told me to go fuck myself yesterday. Um, JT Real Muto gave the Phillies hope with a one-out single in the ninth. And again, this is all against Ryan Helsley, who was the most, probably at worst, the third most dominant reliever in baseball this year behind Emmanuel Class, Edwin Diaz, whatever order you want to put her in. Real Muto singles. Bryce Harper works his way back from a one-two count to walk. Nick Castellanos um, walks to load the bases. Alec Baum gets drilled by an 100.8 mile per hour fastball, which makes it a 2-1 game. And Juan Segura, who played 1,328 regular season games without making the postseason, hits a base hit into right field to give the Phillies a lead. Uh, the Phillies enjoyed a historic 6-3 comeback victory over the Cardinals Friday. 
And game one of the NL wildcard series at Bush Stadium. They were the first team in postseason history to score six runs in the ninth when trailing to enter the frame. Uh, Ace Zach Wheeler did what he couldn't do for my fantasy team. Pitched six and a third scoreless innings before left-handed reliever Jose Alvarado allowed his first runs since August 23rd to give the Cardinals a 2-0 lead in the seventh. Uh, and shout out with that 2-0 lead. Uh, Juan Yepes hit a pinch hit two-run homer. Uh, the 24-year-old uh, hit a 363-foot smash that stayed just inside the left-foot foul pole. And he joined Ben Francisco as the only player in postseason history to hit a pinch hit home run in the seventh inning or later of a scoreless game. Um, but then from there, I mean, yeah, we just mentioned the rally there. You know, Helsley again. I, I mean, at this point, with the Phillies down 2 nothing and Ryan Helsley on the mound, the Bavada odds that the Cardinals were going to win this game were so slim. There was one out already. Helsley had been so dominant. I mean, 9-1, and one, one, two, four ERA, 19 saves. He struck out 94 guys in 64 and two-thirds innings. Uh, but he jammed his middle finger earlier in the week. It was clearly affecting him. Uh, and Segura's two-run single was the second go ahead hit with his team trailing in the ninth inning or later in the Phillies postseason history. Um, and again, this series was far from over after that game. But I watched this. In my mind, it was over. Phillies had Nola going in Game 2 against Miles Mikolas, which was a clear advantage. The Cardinals had the huge, huge pinch hit home run. Uh, they had their guy on the mound, and they just couldn't do anything about it. Great comeback for the Phillies. Uh, fighting Phillies will be in their mantra for the rest of the postseason. That's not how That's not how a Cardinals team is supposed to lose a game. Like, they couldn't have drawn it up any more Cardinals. Voodoo magic guy gets a pinch hit homer off the bench. Starting pitcher was great. You give it to the bullpen. Yeah, no, I was. I thought I still thought the Cardinals would come back. I just, I guess I just refused to believe it was going to end for Albert until it was finally over. I think you could tell something was amiss in that game one. Well, Arenado missed a. Contract. I was going to say I think it was three two at that time, and Nolan missed a one hopper that he gets ten and a half out of ten times. Uh, and once that happened, that in my mind it was all right. This game is over. Yeah, no, that's the that's the omen that you don't want. Yeah, that's a bad bad omen. A very very tough. Series for the Cardinals. Uh, my dad just sent me this tweet from Joe from Jeff Passan. New York's hundred one season win season ends by getting one hit in a winner takes all game in which Buck Showalter had Joe Musgrove's ears checked for foreign substances. Nothing showed up. Kind of like the Mets. Harsh but fair. Yeah, they got one hit. Let's talk about game two. Uh, Aaron Nola cemented his status in Philly's lore with a brilliant performance on a two nothing victory over the Cardinals in game two of the wild card series. Phillies are playing Atlanta in the NL. Uh, DS, and it cl- it's going to be their first matchup in the postseason since the 93 NLCS. Nola went 6-2 and two thirds, two-thirds scoreless innings against the Cardinals, struck out six, four hits, and a walk. Uh, five days earlier, he delivered 6-2 and two thirds scoreless innings and a 3 nothing hit victory over the Phillies, or excuse me, over the Astros to clinch the Phillies' first trip to the postseason since 2011. Uh, early, there could have been some damage. Large new bar reached in the first uh, on a... Single and an error to start the inning, uh, but Nola struck out Albert Pujols swinging and Paul Goldschmidt looking to help him get out of the third inning. Alec Baum stared, uh, snared Yadi Molina's line drive down the third baseline in the third, and Nolan Arenado's line drive in the fourth uh, to protect a one nothing lead. Bryce Harper hit a huge, huge home run to right field uh, to give the Phillies a 2 nothing lead. Uh, Albert Pujols did everything he could to help this team. Uh, in the final game of his career, he went 2-4, for four, uh, had some big at-bats, um, but... Really what this game came down to was Nola's great pitching. And Arnold and Goldsman were so great out here, but twice uh, the Cardinals had runners in scoring position, and they couldn't come through. Uh, in the sixth inning, both Goldschmidt and Arenado struck out to end the inning there. Uh, the Phillies had runners on first and se- or excuse me, the Cardinals had runners on first and second against Sir Anthony Dominguez 
in the eighth inning. Uh, and Arnauto and Goldsmith struck out again to end the threat. Look, if you're the Cardinals, sometimes you got to just tap, tip your hat to the opposition. Game one, you kind of had in the bag, but game two, your lineup just didn't hit. And when push comes to shove, four runs in two games in a postseason series, you're not going to win many. No. I mean, it's going to leave a really bad taste in Goldsmith's mouth. And Ruin, well, is an MVP. It's his MVP award. Look, he's the MVP. And he, you can't take away what he did in the regular season. This is a this is what happened to A Rod time after time. This is this is classic A Rod stuff. This is what you'll remember at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, I mean look. I think for the Cardinals, this is still going to be a great memorable season. I don't think anyone had the peg for ninety three wins and winning the division. So successful in that regard. Goldschmidt's going to probably win the MVP. Arenado gets that average up. Really has another great all around year. Pujols' send off was epic. You know, the Not one, send -off the one bummer is you couldn't see Wayno in the postseason and what could have been his last season. He'll said he'll let you know in a couple days. Um, but look, when push comes to shove, as much as they'll miss Albert and Yachty, future still real bright in St. Louis. I just want them to get I a full season of Flaherty could be the answer, but I want them to get another arm. Yeah, you go into next year with at a minimum Flaherty, Mikolas, Montgomery, you got your three solid arms, bullpen's gonna be good again. Uh, and again, at the end of the day, Goldschmidt and Arenado, there's not many guys you would take to start a team over those two guys for their all-around play. You take them, Tommy Edmond, uh, Donovan, Lodge, Nupar, all these great all-around players, Dylan Carlson that they developed this year. Cardinals are going to be just fine. And look, credit to the Phillies. They almost collapsed down the stretch. They got in, and now they're heading into the second round after an epic comeback in game one. Yeah, good job, Phillies. I mean, I've always liked this Phillies team on paper. It's usually the bullpen and... Just something doesn't work out. All right, let's talk Mariners-Blue Jays. Uh, this was the 4-5 matchup in the American League. And I think I texted you during this game. I said, imagine if the Yankees had actually traded for Luis Castillo and Frank instead of Frankie Montas. Uh, the Mariners got Castillo at the deadline to be their ace. They signed him to a five-year extension to be their ace. Uh, he delivered in game one of the wildcard series. Seven and a third scoreless innings and a 4-0 Mariners win. Um, it is the second shutout of Mariners postseason history, joining Game 1 of the ALCS against the New York Yankees. Alex Manoa uh, had previously not given up a run in the first inning the entire season. Uh, and what they did in the first, uh, to back Castillo early, Eugenio Suarez lined an RBI double to score Julio Rodriguez. Cal Riley, two-run homer. Early 3-0 lead there, and then Castillo kind of took it from there. Only three times he allowed a runner to advance past first base. 108 pitches. Uh, he struck out four of his final eight batters. Before that, he'd only punched out one. Five strikeouts, seven and third scoreless. And again, there wasn't really that much else to report from this game. The Mariners scored three of their four runs in the first. Manoa, after that, really did settle down, as indicated by the 4 nothing score. It's just Mariners struck early, and Castillo was every bit of the ace that they traded for. Simple as that. Mariners knocked the uh, Blue Jays in the teeth in game one. Yeah, they just ran out early and didn't do anything. It was... That game felt. If you were, did you watch it? I did. I mean, that one it felt over after the first. Yeah, you could just see the life got sucked out of them. It's similar to what happened in the game one in the Mets Padres game. Honestly, you had your best arm out there, and they punch you in the mouth, and it was oh no, exactly. this just yeah. happened. Yep, like, that was it. That was game one recap. So I'm gonna give credit where credit's due for game two. I was at a Gaslight Anthem concert while this game was going on. Uh, a friend of the show, Quinn Crowen, looked at me and he said. You should place a bet on Bovada right now with the Mariners down 8-1. I said, eh, maybe. And Quinn was like, dude, you know what? They're just a team of destiny. Why not? I did not place that bet, and I wish that I did. Did Quinn really say that? He did say you should place, you should bet on the Mariners. 
And then, you know, the rest of the night, of course, going, I told you so! I told you so! That's Quinn. And that tone of voice, too, unfortunately. Uh, but it was unbelievable. The Mariners were down 8-1, stormed back from a 7-run deficit to stun the Blue Jays, and a 10-9 victory that will go down in this instant October Classic. It's amazing. The Cardinals scored six runs in the ninth in Game Phillies. 1. Or the Phillies against the Cardinals. And it wasn't even close to the craziest comeback we had in the past three days. No, no, no. This was cra- this. This never should have happened, but... Kudos to the Mariners. It was the lar- second largest comeback in playoff history and the largest for a team on the road and the largest in a series clinching game. Adam Frazier ripped the go-ahead RBI double with two outs in the ninth to score Cal Raley, uh, who proceeded with his own two-bagger into the right center gap and sent the visiting dugout into utter jubilation. Do you think after this past week there's going to be a lot of newborns named Cal in the Seattle area? The or Raleigh. Th- Ra- Ooh, I like both of those names. I think either would be a good names because, man, is he a legend he after just- the past week. I mean, he could do nothing for the rest of his career, and he's a Mariners legend. He is a Mariners legend. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, those moments only became fateful after J.B. Crawford tied the game with his own double, blooper in a shallow center field with the bases loaded, and tied the game at nine in the eighth inning. Crawford's heroics were set up after Raleigh, Mitch Hanniger, and Frazier each singled. Uh, Raleigh's base hit sparked the rally by driving in Eugenio Suarez, who led off with a double off of Anthony Bass. Crawford's hit landed so narrowly in between George Springer and Bo Bichette that it led to a nasty collision at both dope for the ball. Springer was carted off the field and was doing okay during the postgame. Uh, and as for the comeback, Saturday's rally was the Mariners' largest of at least seven runs since July 2001 against the Astros. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, Robbie Ray, I actually thought that the Mariners were going to win this series because they had Robbie Ray in game two. It's the Cy Young winner coming back against his own team. I mean, he got shelled. He didn't make it past the first batter of the fourth inning. Uh, he gave up four home runs. Your boy Teoscar Hernandez had two monster home runs, uh, yep. four RBIs. And at that point, I thought, all right, the series is going to game three. Uh, Gasman gave up four runs, was fine. Neither starting pitcher really contributed. Um, this is a big what if for the Blue Jays. Because this Blue Jays team was built to win now. I think I picked them to win the American League before the season. You know, Bo Bichette was probably the only guy who had a year comparable to last year. Vlad took a step back. Vlad took a step back, but still had a great year. Yeah, still had a good year. Um, Teoscar was hurt. 30 overs. Again, I think relative what the expectations were, though, it was a, a, I say, down year with a big grain of salt in air quotes. Uh, And look, really what it came down to it for this Blue Jays team, I I mean, one, this Mariners team, they're they're just the, they're death by a thousand paper cuts in baseball. They just kind of stick around and don't give up. They have that vibe for just that good vibe of we're going to make something happen. At least I until. thought these were the best two teams in the wild card round. Total. I think these overall. Are the best. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just think the Blue Jays at the end of the day. I think once, they're the best two lineups easily. Once Manoa got hit hard. Right. Once Manoa got hit hard in game one, you know, Gausman gives up a ton of home runs, which ultimately didn't come into play here, but. The bullpen kind of was what it was this year. It was good until it wasn't. Even Jordan Romano, we've seen. You know, we saw against the Yankees. He's faltered in some big spots this year. Uh, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I, the, the Blue Jays just needed that true stopper. And Manoa was that all year until he wasn't. And, and to be honest, I think even if the series had gone to a Game 3, I still would have liked Seattle. I liked Logan Gilbert so much more than Ross Stripling or uh, the infamous Jose Barrios. Barrios was, was all. That's the biggest question mark for Toronto going forward because they're locked in this Barrios deal. They they got to get him right. So credit to Seattle for advancing. And then, what do you think this Blue Jays offseason looks like? Uh, do you think, given that they got swept out, John Schneider is no longer going to be the manager of this team? And that's exactly what I said last week. All right, so we're out on John Schneider. There's an answer there. And 
what, if anything, do you think they do in free agency? Because offensively, I think you just hope these guys I rebound. They, I don't know if they have any money. There's always money. I mean, they go out just another bullpen arm, short up. Sure, I guess short up the bullpen. Otherwise, they, like this is they don't need to make moves around. This team's really good. This roster is really, really good. This team should not have been. This team should be in the next round. Yeah, I mean, I think this is just a, this is proof of timing being everything because. Over the last two, three months, I think the Blue Jays ended up having the best record in the American League East. The problem was they played their worst baseball early, and that's when the Yankees played their best baseball. And at a certain point, leads just become unsurmountable. The Blue Jays got close, close but no cigar. Yeah. So, yeah, weird year for the Blue Jays. First time that they're back in the postseason for a full season, in a full season since, I think, 2016. Um, but relative to expectations, might be a disappointing year despite a 92-win playoff year. Disappointing year. There's a disappointing year. Let's talk about the biggest disappointing year. The New York Metropolitans. Game one, we both agreed Scherzer over to Grom. Um, just given how the Grom looked down the stretch and Max being Max, made sense to go with Max Scherzer in game one. Um, and it's amazing what happened in this game. The Mets lost 7-1. Um, Scherzer gave up four home runs and seven earned runs for the first time in his 27 career Postseason appearances. Uh, Hugh Darvish pitched seven innings, one run, struck out four in a game Friday night at center field. Uh, and it was amazing. I mean, Scherzer got booed. Uh, Josh Bell hit a two-run home run in the first inning. Trent Grisham hit a solo in the second. Uh, Jerickson Profar hit a three-run game-breaker in the fifth. Manny Machado went back-to-back with him to end his night. Uh, seven earned runs, four home runs. All I could say is I was stunned. I don't really have a lot of analysis from this game other than the Mets had their guy on the mound and one of the guys in all of baseball and of re- the recent baseball history period. You uh, Darvish outpitched Max and a lot of Padres stepped up. Trent Grisham and Josh Bell had really not hit it all in the second half. Two of them big home runs. The left-handed bats came to play. This was shocking. It's again, I had the Padres winning this series. So that part doesn't surprise me. And even give, Scherzer gives up home runs. When he loses games, it's because he gives up homers. Uh, but to see him give up that many homers, and just I have, a, I mean, I have no, I have no recollection of Max Scherzer getting absolutely dominated by a lineup like this. It's never had their stats. Their I saw the tweets. This is. It's almost like the worst thing I've ever seen him do in the postseason is like in the 2019 World Series when he couldn't move and like labored through five innings and gave up two earned runs. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of guy we're dealing with. So. This is ultimately, at the end of the day, though, as and Scherzer was so dominant in the regular season, obviously. Always is. Always is. I think he had a 2-2-9 ERA this year. He was outstanding. But this is the reality of when you give $43 million a year to a 38-year-old pitcher who wasn't available late in the postseason because of injuries. It's a risk you run. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, you've seen him. I actually think he wasn't great with the Dodgers last year. Down the stretch, he was great. Down the post stretch, season. he was postseason, not so much. Well, I think ago. postseason, he just ran out of gas. He ran out of gas. Or, or as he said, I actually didn't pitch enough late, and it screwed up my routine. Scherzer's that's the only one. pitcher who said, I got hurt because I did not pitch enough. That's what, That's another option. Yeah, a- absolute warrior there. Uh, so game two, 
It's DeGrom Day. This was the only series that didn't end in a sweep. Uh, the Mets won 7-3 to stave off elimination. Uh, in a performance evocative of his 2015 NLDS Game 5 win, DeGrom willed his way through six innings uh, as Francisco Lador and Pete Alonso supplanted him with solo home runs. wasn't until the bottom of the seventh the Mets broke the game open, scoring four times during a nine-batter rally. Uh, Edwin Diaz was used in the seventh inning, uh, facing Trent Grisham, the Padres' number eight hitter, who gone twice in 12 innings, or gone deep twice in 12 innings. Didn't mean Edwin Diaz was returning for the eighth once the Mets built a five-run lead, uh, but Diaz threw off an indoor mound that Showalter had requested to be installed in City Field during the seventh inning rally. Uh, he came out and retired two more batters, 28 pitches in total. Uh, before we mention DeGrom, what do you think of Buck's usage of Edwin Diaz? I get you'd rather undermanage, overmanage than undermanage sometimes, especially given Buck's history with leaving Zach Braden in the pen. But had Edwin Diaz been needed today for something of like real circumstance, throwing him in there for the seventh and the start of the eighth against the bottom of the order seems dicey at best. I liked having him in the seventh. I didn't like keeping him in the eighth. I agree. At that point, just you used him, let him just go for the inning. I think that's spot on. Um, DeGrom. Good, not great, but got the job done. He was dominant at first, retiring the first seven bit batters he faced. Grisham tied the game 1-1 with a home run, uh, and the Padres had runners on first and second with two outs in the third. Uh, Machado struck out to end the th- threat. In the fifth, the Padres scored a second run off of DeGrom on a jerks and profile RBI single, uh, but DeGrom managed to strike out Machado and Josh Bell to get out of a first and second inning jam there. Six innings, two runs. Again, was a peak DeGrom? No, but he delivered. At the end of the day, and what could be his final start as a New York Met, we have to say that out loud, Jacob DeGrom delivered. Yeah, he did. It wasn't, it wasn't Cy Young DeGrom. It was just really good DeGrom. It wasn't the best we've ever seen him. It was, but he, he did what he had to do to get this team away. Yep, got the job done. And I have no notes for Game 3, um, but I'm going to pull up the box score right now. Uh, Joe Musgrove, seven innings, one hit. Five strikeouts, dominant performance. Uh, all told, the Mets had two base runners, one hit, one walk. Uh, for the Padres, offensively, Juan Soto, two for four, two RBIs. Machado, two hits, one RBI. Austin Nola, uh, two for three, two RBIs. Trent Grisham, two for two, uh, one RBI there. Feels like Joe Musgrove, he just kind of feels like a big game. Pitcher. So let's so let's talk about this real quick. Oh, I agree. I mean, Joe Musgrove... Maybe oh, I'm thinking of Charlie Morton, who with the Astros was just spinning curveballs. I mean, but Joe Musgrove, again, I, I think a lot of Mets fans look at this guy as a Joe Schmo. He was an all-star this year, threw a no-hitter last year, got a $100 million contract. This is a premier Major League Baseball starter. Uh, let's talk about in the sixth inning, though, what transpired. Uh, Buck Showalter, and what me and you called an act of desperation, uh, went out to have Joe Musgrove check for foreign substances his velocity and spin rate was up, which, again, obviously I think is going to be the case. It's a postseason game. He's hype. The umpires on national television basically gave him a wet willy, checked his ears, checked his body. No foreign substances were found. Uh, Musgrove, again, went seven scoreless, was chirping the Mets dugout the whole time. Um, what were your thoughts on that? To me, it was soft. I love and respect Buck Showalter more than just about anyone in baseball, but this was an embarrassing act of desperation for a team that was looking for any kind of a spark. Um, and at the end of the day, I think the Mets did a lot of things this year to get past the Wilpon era and move into a new era of winning. And, and that was just an example of me, aside from getting one hit, of just the Mets being the same old Mets. That was pathetic. It Buck, was embarrassing. It's better. You're better than that. Buck was better than that. You're better than that. It was You were getting your ass handed to you. Just take it like a grown-up baseball team, not this bullshit. That was soft. I didn't like it. So if you're the New York Mets, uh, what does your offseason look like now? DeGrom's a free agent. 
Nemo's a free agent. Edwin Diaz is a free agent. DeGrom gets whatever he wants. Does he get it from the Mets, though, you think? Bassett's a free agent? Doesn't matter. If the, the team doesn't work without DeGrom. So you think DeGrom is back in flushing next year? I do. Yeah, I think he's back. For more of an AAV than Scherzer's $43 million a year? Because at that point, you're looking at, if you're looking at $44 million minimum, you're paying $87 million to have your rotation fronted by two guys who are going to be 35 and 39 years old next year. And who you lost in a postseason series with. You have no choice. It's kind of like you dug yourself into this hole. You gave the shirt you the contract. You made your Steve gave this team a three year window. You made your bed. You got to sleep in it. Figure it out. Do you think this increases the chances of the Mets going after Aaron Judge? I think absolutely yes. Absolutely. How much of a disappointment? This will be the last thing I say, and then we'll preview the division series matchups. I mean, again, I think if you were a Mets fan and I told you going into the year you were going to make the playoffs and win 101 games, you would have been absolutely thrilled given how disastrous the past couple of years again, but. I think at the end of the day, given how this Mets team performed and what they were like going into September, uh, Mets fans are going to look at this year as a disappointment. Yeah, they should. I mean, look, it's they set the expectations high for themselves. They almost forgot that the World Series, the defending champs are in their division. They're not as good as the Braves. The, look at the two rosters. The Mets are not as good as the Braves right now. Yeah, I, I think outside of the Dodgers, though, the Braves are the standard in baseball. Them and the Astros. Yeah, but the Mets aren't on, and the Mets aren't on that team. They're somewhere in the next tier. Yep, they got to figure it out from there. Um, all right, let's preview these division series matchups: uh, Mariners versus Astros. Uh, the DS and well, both series start Tuesday. DS goes Tuesday, Thursday. DS goes Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if needed. NLDS goes <coughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday. Uh, Mariners, Astros, Houston won the season series 12-7. Three of the four matchups are against division rivals. It's going to be Logan Gilbert versus Verlander in game one. I like the Astros to sweep here. Astros sweep. Yep, that's the bad idea. This, this Mariners run has been special. Um, again, I think maybe the Astros lose game two and win in four just because Castillo goes out and shoves game two against Valdez. But they're going to have the pitching advantage uh, basically throughout. I mean, Verlander in game one over Gilbert – Game three will probably be Robbie Ray versus Christian Javier, and then McCullers in game four against George Kirby. Look, this Mariners season, you're on the path. If you lose, there's nothing to be ashamed of, but the Astros are a juggernaut and have been the premier team in the American League for the past six, seven years for a reason. Uh, Astros will be winning this ALS matchup. I think we both agree. Astros, yeah. I, again, I have the Astros running the whole thing, so. Phillies versus Braves, we kind of mentioned this before. Braves won the season series 11-8. I like the Phillies to win game one, and then the Braves win games two, three, and four. I don't really have much analysis to add other than just, again, Braves are, I think, the standard in the National League with the Dodgers. Uh, Phillies, I think Robbie Thompson locked up this job. I think now that they won a playoff series, he's going to be their manager. At least I think he gave him a two-year deal with an option. I think he gave him one. Or just just give him one. Just give him what Nevin, what they gave Nevin. I think you have to give him more than Nevin. The team made the playoffs and won a playoff series. I think it's a different beast. Okay, yeah, they have another, I actually think the Phillies can get two. I think this game go. This could go back to Atlanta. Just think about the way it works out logistically. Wheeler and Nola are going three and four in Philly. If they could steal a game in Atlanta, anything could happen. If they steal but all that said, I still like the Braves. I hear you. Uh, Dodgers versus the Padres. I also like the Braves, whatever that's right. Dodgers won the season series 14-5. Uh, this series starts Tuesday. It'll be Urias versus 
Question mark. Might be Sean Manet. It could be you, Darvish, on short rest. It shouldn't be. Darvish is always terrible on short rest. Um, I like the Dodgers in four. This is still a this is this to me when you said gentleman sweep. I like the Dodgers. I like the Padres to win game three. This to me is a uh, this is it's best epitomized on baseball. Big brother, little brother. Dodgers are still big brother. Padres are little brother. And last but not so, what do you got? Dodgers in well, Dodgers in four. I'll go Dodgers in four because little brother has Soto and Machado. Yeah, and and again, as great as like Tyler Anderson and Gonson were in the regular season. Both are a little bit injury uh, or Gonson's been injury prone. Anderson hasn't really gotten in the touch of the postseason. You know, that series can shift very quickly based on the pitching matchups. But the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Don't overthink it. Uh, and Yankees versus Guardians. Tuesday in Yankee Stadium. That series starts 7.37 Eastern time. Yankees won the season series 5-1. to one. Um, And an interesting note for this series. Uh, Aroldis Chapman was probably on the fence to make the roster, but at this point has thrown his last pitch of the member of the Yankees. Uh, the left-handed reliever was disappointed and informed he would not appear on the ALDS roster after missing a mandatory team workout on Friday at Yankee Stadium. Uh, and the Yankees went scorched earth on him. Cashman said, you've got to be all in this time of year and it's disappointing. We have people here competing and dying to be on the roster, fighting to be on this roster. Even though decisions haven't been made yet, he chose to be absent. Um... Aaron Boone said him not being here was not okay. I just feel like it was best for him to stay away from now. And Brian Cashman even went so far as to say that it doesn't feel like he's been all in the entire season. He was uh, supposed to throw Friday in a live BP session against his teammates. He opted to go to his Miami area home uh, at home and remained to be there on Friday. Honestly, I saw this. My two thoughts were great. He threw his last pitch with the Yankees. And B, good riddance. Now there's no excuse to put him on the postseason roster. But it's just crazy to see... Different guys cope with not being a superstar differently. Some guys age gracefully into it. Uh, Chapman is handling a bit as about as bad as I can remember someone doing it in recent memory. I I I thought it was gross when the Yankees traded for him the first time, and then I didn't want to bring him back. And so not, I so yeah, Chapman's a bad dude. Chapman has a long track record of being a bad dude and a bad teammate. So this isn't surprising. I guess we figured he'd be in Philadelphia anyway. I wonder if this just sort of shit. Like, the way he just behaved, like, some team will take a shot on him, but his market might be awful. He may end up in Miami on, like, a $5 million I I just, at the end of the day, he's a velocity-first guy who doesn't have velocity, and his control is terrible. I'm sending him to Miami. Yeah, I just say, at the end of the day, good riddance. Uh, Close friend of mine, Matt Moran, his father asked me on Twitter, why do you hate Chapman so much? You know, is are you a what have you done for me now, guy? And it's the end of the day. It's, Chapman hasn't done anything in three years. Chapman brought us. Um, He's consistently come up small in big spots. Twenty nineteen and twenty twenty gave up the home runs to end the season. He brought us Glaber. That's the silver lining. Brought us Glaber. Uh, but let's talk about the series himself. Um, I feel good about playing the Guardians. I mean, again, this offense. They do a lot of little things right, and they put the ball in play. Um, now that we have Bader and Oswaldo Cabrera in the lineup, in all likelihood, we're pretty plus at every position defensively, so that doesn't scare me as much as it has in recent years. You know, there's nobody on the field where it's like, oh, God, if the ball gets hit to them, I'm terrified. I like the Yankees in four. This should be a sweep for the Yankees. It should be a sweep. I don't think it will be. Um, I think Garrett takes game one. I like Nestor going in game two. I think Seve loses a close one in game three, and then we end up winning uh, game four. I, I just, again, this Guardians team is playing with a ton of swagger, and they're so hot all September. I, I, I just think at the end of the day, our offense is better than anything that's out in the AL Central. 
uh, and better than the Rays' offense. And B, you're just you're gonna have to do a whole lot better than scoring four runs in two games to beat the Yankees. Yeah, so that should be a sweep. So, uh, just in case you're keeping track at home, uh, our prediction is that we will be getting LCS rematches: Yankees Astros round three in the League Championship Series, Dodgers Braves also round three, three years in a row. Uh, which this isn't three years in a row. It would be three years in a row, Dodgers for Braves. Dodgers Braves. Yeah, yeah, that's what I just said. But not Yankees Astros. No, this is Yankees Astros round three. Dodgers, Braves, three years in a row. Yeah. Exciting time. Uh, let's do some tweets of the week, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, the two longest playoff drafts entering the season were the Mariners and the Phillies. Uh, both of them will be advancing the division series after sweeping the wild card series on the road. Just incredible. Uh, it just shows. I don't, that- this is it's again. I don't. It's different. The Mariners. The, the playoff system was entirely different when they were in it. I honestly, when the Phillies were in 2011, that was. Either the first, or was that the last two, year of four teams? Last it, year. It's a, yeah, so it's a completely different playoff format. And sweeps on the road, that's diff- that sweeps on the road, that's a nice way of saying they won two games. Sweep on the road, won the series. Uh, Phillies are the fifth team to have their starter throw at least scoreless in, six scoreless innings in each of their first two games of the postseason. Um, this is a Pools appreciation tweet, but mostly a Julio Franco appreciation tweet. Uh, Albert Pools at 42 years and 265 days. You would think would be the oldest player with multiple hits in a postseason game. Except Julio Franco did it when he was 45, uh, 44, 43, three times. That dude just played forever and kept hitting. If he's going to keep hitting, he can play forever. I agree. Uh, Platinum Sombrero. I had to actually think about what this is. Uh, That's when you strike out five times in a game. Uh, That had only happened three times or excuse me, four times in the history of the postseason, um, or three times prior to this year, and Jose Siri and Andres Jimenez were the fourth and the fifth player to do it in postseason history in the same game. Platinum Sombrero sounds cool. Is not. Not. Uh, Corey Kluber when facing elimination, uh, postseason elimination in Cleveland, ninth <coughs> and a third innings pitch, eight earned runs, five home runs. His team lost all three games. Game seven of the 2016 World Series, game five of the 2017 DS. And last but not least, game two of the Rays Guardians. Tough for Corey Kluber. I wonder what happens to Kluber. I think like, he's not. If Kluber, he'd be a Monument Park guy for the Yankees. Yeah, I think Kluber. He's a Monument Park guy in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, and I think, look, Kluber at the end of the day, I think there's no reason he can't pitch another three, four years like Wainwright pitched. If he enjoys it, he should keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, he he's going to end up on the This notwithstanding, he was solid in the regular season. One of these days he'll end up in Boston. I think he already was. No, nah, he's with us. He was never in Boston. Cleveland, Texas, us, Tampa. All right. Uh, over his last two starts, Max Scherzer's given up four home runs to 15 batters. In July and August combined, he gave up four home runs to 290 batters. And he became the second pitcher in MLB history with four home runs and seven runs allowed in a playoff game. That was, I, it's, I hate when bad things happen. To you know what, You know what we should do right after this? We should find Futures odds for Scherzer to win the Cy Young and bet on it. Because holy shit, is he going to come out with a vengeance next year? Yeah. That's like a cash out in April. That's our preseason pick, Max Scherzer to win the Cy Young. Well, mine's probably going to be Kershaw for the 10th year in a row. All right, we'll take both. Uh, Julio Rodriguez Friday, two hit by pitch and two runs scored. Third player in postseason history with two hit by pitch and two runs scored in any game. Uh, Ryan Helsley, to show how improbable that Cardinals comeback was, he allowed four earned runs with the, versus the Phillies. Uh, on Friday, he allowed six earned runs total in July, August, and September combined. 
minutes. Yeah, I mean, the playoff baseball is fun. Postseason's crazy, man. Uh, Manoa gave up more runs in a third of an inning against the Mariners in his last four starts combined. Crazy there. Uh, Jose Siri homered off of Shane Bieber, and Jose Ramirez homered off of Shane McClanahan. It's the first game in playoff history where two different hitters with the same first name homered off of two different pitchers with the same first name. I like that. That's just a fun, quirky one. Uh, 18 players Mathis in 2022, most notably Hall of Famer Yadier Molina. The Mathis is a season of 200 plate appearances with an OPS plus of 60 or lower, named after Jeff Mathis, who had eight such seasons live ball era record. I want to say credit to Jeff Mathis for being that bad at hitting and getting to play that long. That's the challenge. The challenge is to be able to do it multiple times. Bobby Wood and Julio became the first pair of rookies since 1920 for 75 plus ribbies and 25 plus steals in a season. Luis Torrens is the first AL player with a walk-off hit and a pitching win in the same season since Chucky Dean for the 1942 Cleveland Indians. First in the MLB since Brett Main <coughs> since the 2000 Rockies. Kyle Tucker, only player this year with 30-plus home runs, 100-plus ribbies, and 25-plus steals. Freddie and Trey Turner became the first pair of teammates since Babe Ruth and Bob Musial for the 21 Yankees with 190-plus hits, 100-plus RBIs, 35-plus doubles, 20-plus home runs, 10-plus steals, and multiple 12-plus game hitting streaks. And we're going to wrap this up with Albert. It's the last tweet of the week of his career until he's a Hall of Famer or until I find something next week. He led the NL in home runs after the All-Star break this year with 18. He's the first player in MLB history to lead his league in home runs after the break in his final season. And he had an 895 OPS this season. His worst as a Cardinal, but better than any season he ever spent with the Angels. That's how it should. That, that's the best way to summarize it. What a career. What a finish. We love the machine always. And don't worry. We'll keep, we never waver. We'll keep the pools content coming. Uh, any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? One round of the MLB postseason in the books. Uh, just stay healthy. Uh, be safe. Uh, celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day tomorrow or I guess today when you're listening. And um, it should be a good week next week. I'm going to Canada. Bryce will be in Canada. I will be in California. Uh, so big week of travel for us. Congrats to Goose. Congrats to Goose and Carmella on your pending nuptials. Can't wait to celebrate with you guys. Uh, shout out to the UCLA Bruins. Biggest home game since my freshman year of college and delivered against Utah up to number 11 in the country and Heisman candidate DTR. His mother liked my tweet about him. That made me laugh. Uh, go Yanks. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Yankee fans, show up. We're going to need all your support. Let's keep this going. Get to the ALCS and anything can happen from there against Houston in all likelihood. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Midorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week. <laughs>